To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome, everyone, to... Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast... With no direction. What's up, everybody? You know the song, you know the voice. It's your boy, Rook. Joining me, as always, is the man with the plan. It's Mr. Don Moore. Hello, everybody. And welcoming back to the show, let's all say hello to Wells Thompson. How's it going? Doing great, man. I gotta tell you, this new book, it's uh, you're on fire with this one, aren't you? Yeah, we're doing pretty well. I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, approach at time of recording. I know that we're gonna uh, post some days after, but at time of recording, we're approaching fifteen thousand uh, dollars of a ten thousand dollar goal. Three hundred and fifty backers uh, with eight days to go. So, yeah, very excited. So the book is called The Catskin and the Rose. Yes. Give the listeners a little breakdown, real quick, of what this is about. Uh, the Catskin and the Rose is a uh, 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 adventure uh, romance graphic novella, uh, 68 pages about uh, two women who uh, are uh, extremely talented uh, sword fighters, duelists, uh, and they enlist in a tournament, uh, the winner of which will marry the uh, prince of the kingdom uh, that they're in. So they uh, will marry into royalty. The problem is as they commence with their fight, they start to uh, develop a respect for each other and start to realize they have a lot in common and eventually something of a romance develops between them. Um, this is the worst of all possible uh, circumstances for them. So, <laughs> uh, You say the worst for them, but uh, uh, from what I'm seeing, looks extremely entertaining for all it's, of us. It's a very, yeah, it's a very crunchy uh, story and scenario and, and a lot of fun to kind of untangle. <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, honestly, I've been watching this since I first saw it pit, uh, uh, show up on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the weird thing is, is like when I first saw it, I read through the description, didn't even notice who created it or like who the, who the creators were or anything. I'm like, oh, this looks cool. And I keep scrolling down. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I know that guy. I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is a beautifully uh, drawn book. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the the parts that uh, we're able to, to read in the description and everything sounds absolutely fascinating. Uh, you're you're working with uh, some different creators on this one. Mm-hmm. Have these are these people you've worked with in the past? Uh, some of them, yes. So uh, Rachel Disler and I uh, started. I kind of developed a friendship over social media and uh, have worked on uh, a short comic uh, that was just a for fun fan comic uh, that we wanted to do. Um, and we, we found that we had a lot of really natural chemistry. Uh, so when I had the idea for this book, uh, I went to her to, to see if she would be excited about drawing it. And she was uh, all over it. She was incredibly excited about the idea. This is also the first one, uh, this is my first big project, comic book project that I'm doing uh, without my collaborator, Dalton Shannon. 
so this one is is uh, just a solo project uh, in terms of writing by me. Uh, and at the time that I had approached Rachel, uh, we had I hadn't uh, actually written the script yet. It was just an idea. So uh, I got to develop it with the artist in a much more intimate way than some of my past uh, collaborations. Uh, other than that, the uh, the editor, uh, Krista Herrader, uh, is a good friend, and we work together quite a bit. Um, the letterer, uh, this is my first collaboration with her, but Keila uh, Sabal is uh, fantastically talented, uh, really wonderful letterer uh, that I'm, I'm excited to have on the project. And yeah, it's uh foul hound I've worked with before uh, on on some other cover work, and as as you know, she's fantastic. Uh, Skylar Patridge is, is the other cover artist. Uh, this is my first time working with her. Uh, she is phenomenal as well. So. There's a lot of uh, new talent. There's a lot of uh, old collaborators on this one. And uh, I, I think we've come together to make something really beautiful. Yeah. What was it like not to work with the other writer? You mentioned this was the first time. What, what was some... Yeah, what's it like being with <laughs> uh, It's It's interesting. It's, it's um, you know, it, it's, it's having to trust my instincts a lot more and uh, not having someone to, to kind of sound bite off of and ideas off of. Um, again, like I said, I, I, I also got to the chance to work really closely with Rachel. She is, uh, she had a lot of ideas for the script, a lot of ideas for the characters and a couple of scenes. Uh, so th that role didn't like go absent or anything. Plus we, I have an editor on board to kind of help me uh, structure it as well. Right. Um, but that said, yeah, it was, it was different, uh, not having the, the normal collaboration around and uh, it felt good in the sense that um, I got to tell, you know, my own story, my own way. Uh, and also that I feel like I've grown as a creator enough that I can, you know, have full confidence moving forward that even though it's just my name on it, it's still going to be just as good as if I had worked on it with Dalton. Right. Nice. Nice, man. So looking over this this project on Kickstarter, I, we're sitting at like eight days to go right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you, you, like... I feel like every couple of days I'm saying, "Hey, new stretch goal reached." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah it's it's been uh, it's this is our uh, in terms of backers, uh, this is our second most popular uh, on pace to become our most popular uh, and backed uh, Kickstarter. So that's incredibly exciting. Um, money wise, yeah, we've already cracked that goal. This is our most well funded uh, project so far, uh, and we're really excited to continue to to break that ceiling and see how far we can go. Right. Yeah, yeah this, this visually it's absolutely beautiful. Mm. You know, it's a neat idea. This is this is a nice project. For sure. Yeah, Rachel's art style is is really wonderfully expressive, and especially in her panel design, she just pops yeah. off. She does not let where something could be a very simple like you know five can panel kind of grid. Uh, she will not hesitate to add a bunch of uh, flourish and, and adornments that, that otherwise uh, I haven't seen a lot of uh, uh, artists uh, work in. So uh, really exciting every single time I get a new page from her to see what what kind of new uh, uh, you know flourish or, or detail she's going to add into it. Yeah, it's it everything you just said. It's also easy to follow um, mm -hmm. and very fully formed she's very comfortable with this style um i i really like looking at this 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, uh, and she had a lot of say over uh, the kind of design of the characters as well. I kind of gave her full, uh, you know, obviously I, I came in with notes and, and ideas of what they looked like, but I kind of gave her full reign to uh, design the characters based on, you know, who I thought they were and, and where they came from. And uh, and she knocked it out of the park. They look incredible and they, they feel fully formed. You, you, uh, I can hear um, like Camille's accents just from kind of watching her uh, act in the, in the panels. Oh, nice. But, yep. That's, that brings up a point when you said that you had the idea for the characters, but not visually. What was it like when you got them back? Did it change how you thought of the characters? Did it enhance it? I mean, did it change your writing? I don't. I don't think it did too much. I think the you know my writing influenced how the character how the characters looked, and mm-hmm. and um, by the time to- and by the time we got that back, you know the characters were pretty solidified. Uh, but I say that, you know, we'll see when more uh, pages come in, how I start to feel and if I want to start to rewrite a little bit of dialogue, because very often that does happen where you someone uh, draws a character in a certain way and you start to hear the voice a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, but so far, yeah, it's it's been a really symbiotic kind of relationship where it's just kind of built one off the other. Uh, I don't think we've like drastically changed anything too much. Uh, they've been sort of the same since inception, but just kind of adding layers onto it more than anything. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like you two are just working well together, bouncing off of each other mm-hmm. in a nice way. Um, I, I do have another question, and this may be way off. You know, when we're talking about not writing with working with the other writer this time, you're, you mentioned you're really collaborating closely with uh, the artist. Now, mm-hmm. what was it like with uh, the projects before? I mean, was it any different? Did you collaborate as much with the other artists? I mean, we, we certainly, so like with, with Mechaton, we give, we, we try and give as much license to uh, to Fernando to uh, really take the designs and run, to try and, uh, you know, add in sort of if, if they have ideas. Uh, I feel like there's a lot less of, uh, it, on in previous projects, there's a lot less of the artists coming in and being like, hey, what if we wrote in this scene? And part of that is sort of the structure of how we were writing. Uh, you know, Mechaton is a 20-page, you know, per issue we have to fit in. So, you know, we have to, we have a, a, a sort of plan uh, that the, the artist sort of has to trust. Uh, so there's not even when we give them that license, there's not always a ton of wiggle room for them to be like, hey, I think this might work better because it could ultimately, you know, uh, accidentally uh, interfere with the plan that we have going on later or just we don't have enough time to really explore it in the panels that we have. Whereas when we made this um, book, it was a lot more freeform. Uh, We knew we wanted to tell a whole story, but we didn't really constrain ourselves on it needs to be you know, X amount of pages or, or anything like that. It was just, let's take as long as we need to tell it. And when we feel like we've done a good job, we'll, we'll cut it off there. Um, so there was a lot more, it was a lot more open-ended just in the the or the making of this one uh, nice. than some of our other projects have been. Nice. So uh, I want to ask you a question about the covers. We've got different covers here. Beautiful, mm. beautiful covers. Absolutely. Uh, just, you know, so the one is a foil cover. Am I seeing that right? Yes. So the we have um, three versions of the book. 
the standard cover, uh, the standard edition with the standard cover. Uh, and that cover is uh, by Fellhound, the artist and uh, writer and creator behind uh, Commander Rao, behind And We Love You, uh, Do You Believe in Afterlife. Uh, really wonderfully talented uh, uh, Canadian artist uh, that uh, we've been able to collaborate with on, on uh, some other covers as well. And just a really good friend of the indie comic community in general. Um, the other uh, two covers are the same art, but there's a special edition, which includes some back matter and a uh, foil uh, cover, which is the same as a special edition, but we don't put any, it's a virgin cover and we, we have that beautiful kind of foil, uh, hollow foil uh, uh, page um, from uh, Comics Wellspring. They do an incredible job with that sort of dazzling uh, effect of the uh, hollow foil chrome. Um, and that was born out of when we got this cover back from Skylar Patridge. Uh, we were just blown away by it. We knew we had to do something to kind of elevate it and, and really put it on display. Um, as much as a, you know, the, the normal cover does that. Uh, we didn't feel like it was enough. We feel like we needed to celebrate it more. So, um, and people have responded well to it. Uh, they've, uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly they agree. It's, and it is a, a really gorgeous cover. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. It's beautiful. I love the way the color gradients through the design mm -hmm. and everything. I mean, just, uh, you know, I, and I gotta, I gotta tell you this, the logo for this book. Okay. Yeah. The, as a graphic designer, mm -hmm. I looked at that logo and went, damn, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Brenda Snell uh is uh our designer and sh uh she is the graphic designer i work with uh on just about every book nowadays uh and uh she i owe her like my entire life and, and every like <laughs> she has saved my ass on multiple occasions uh just truly a, a brilliant logo designer and 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 uh uh page designer the the entire uh kickstarter page when you look at that all of the graphics and art uh, that aren't like from the book were done by her. So yeah, she her she's just as much as far as I'm concerned a part of the book as everyone else is as as uh, Rachel and and Krista and, and Keila. Um, yeah, I think every, everyone gets a gets a big uh, you know massive creator credit for this one uh, because they all just brought their absolute A game. Yeah, yeah, her her graphics go really good with the visuals. I mean, Absolutely. it's it's almost like it's by the same person. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a stunning looking book. Yeah, I think yeah, thank you. Um, we we worked really hard to kind of add that sense of cohesion to it and and make sure that it all fit together, uh, including the lettering, which I I will be adding to the page uh, after this interview. I'm going to go in and add those pages to the uh, campaign page so people can see the lettering finally. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, even the lettering, we had conversations about like, you know, which style fits the art better so it all feels more cohesive. We wanted it to really feel like it came from a single, you know, creator almost, right. um, where it could all fit together really nicely. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. The logo is gorgeous. The design is fantastic. The covers are beautiful. Uh, I, I can just continue to rave about the creative team for the rest of this uh, for the rest of this interview, if you'd like, but. <laughs> no, that is interesting, though. That's something interesting is how, how you put the team together. You know, you, you came mm -hmm. up with this um, 
this this idea, this project, I, I'm always interested in how people work together and how it all comes in because this seems like, you know, I'm I'm not there in the creation process to when I mm-hmm. see it, it's fully formed. And it just amazes me. you got so many working parts from Absolutely. different people. Uh, I imagine from different places. Yeah, so it's it's always kind of a wild, you know, mismatch of how you meet people online and how you wind up working with them. Some people you reach out to for the first time because you just happen to need, you know, something and you feel like they might fit. Some people you've wanted to work with for a really long time. Some people you've worked with in the past and you you just know they'd be a good fit for the book. And there's definitely a mismatch of all of that here. Um, so yeah, for for Rachel, we had we had worked on some on a thing, and I brought her on because I thought her style would go really well. Uh, Brenda works on every book that I do, so she was she was non-negotiable. Uh, but uh, and and Krista, I had worked with as an editor before. We go way back from for working at Comic Book Yeti. Um, Keila, uh, the the letterer, uh, I had not met before. I just knew that I wanted to continue the trend of uh of of putting as many uh queer women in the creative team as possible because this is a very queer story uh featuring a lot of uh strong uh uh women as like the protagonists and as the the main forces in the story so it was important to me that that be represented well in the creative team um nice and yeah and and uh kayla not only fit the bill but is is just a brilliant letter in, in her own right and i i wanted to work with her regardless so uh it it worked out really really well in that regard um yeah and then the same with uh with skylar uh fell i had worked with before and i knew that she would be perfect for the book and uh skylar i had not worked with before but uh, I've been a long time admirer of her work, and and I knew that this would be the project to kind of uh, bring her into. So, uh, and she was all about it from from the inception. That's awesome when you deal with somebody like that. That's like, yep, I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that sounds great. Here, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> and even the like uh, sort of the outside artists that we're bringing in for the stretch goals, uh, all of them have been incredibly enthusiastic about potentially adding more to this visual style and universe and, and story. Um, we've got uh, Rio Burton and Tango and uh, uh, Angela Wu uh, all on uh, stretch goals as mini comics, as a poster. Um, yeah, and they're uh, from the big, you know, as soon as I brought it up to them, they were like, yes, I would love to be involved. Uh, sounds amazing. So it's it's really nice to be able to, to work with that kind, that, uh, level of enthusiasm from really, really talented uh, artists. Starts to make you think you're doing something right. (laughs) Yeah. So I got a question for you. You mentioned uh, the importance of having women involved in this book and Mm -hmm. queer women involved in the book. Uh, As a guy, writing a female feminine Mm -hmm. love story, did you at any point look at it and go, maybe I'm a little off. Maybe I need to check with somebody. Uh, I mean, yes and no. You always want to be respectful and you always want to make sure you're, uh, you know, doing representation right and, uh, and, and not, you know, screwing up the most important stuff. But this is also not really foreign subject matter to me. Um, my, 
I have a whole unpublished uh, novel that is a, a lesbian romance. Uh, not like it, more of a literary story that that is about the two characters coming together, not like a romance book. Uh, but it's definitely it's subject that I've worked in a lot. Um, I almost all of my friends in my personal life are queer women as just a weird quirk of <laughs> I don't know why that is. It just happens to be the case. Uh, so it definitely felt not that like I, you know, own the material or anything, or it's it's my experience, but I, I feel like I've lived adjacent to that experience enough that I can tell, I can sort of tell these, this story without it feeling inauthentic. And as a safety net on top of that, I also have all of these, you know, women who that is their lived experience around me to course correct if anything happens to, to go wrong, if I get something wrong or if I'm doing something uh, insensitively on accident. Uh, you know, that was that was a big part of the reason why I wanted the team to, to look the way that it does, so that if at any point we're going astray, they can speak up and say, hey, no, we shouldn't do this. That That's a that's a great way to do it. It really is. Uh, I've been I've been working with writing a lot of female characters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I'm a guy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep questioning some of, some of my female friends like, hey, what do you think of this? And they're like, is this more your weird, nerdy D&D stuff? <laughs> they're like, yes, that wasn't the question. Yeah, yeah, does it work is my ask, is my question. Yeah, does, does this sound right is the question, not is it nerdy stuff? Yes, mm-hmm. it's always nerd stuff with me. <laughs> But it's always great to have those people that you can rely on to, uh, you know, talk to and and, and bring yourself uh, in, into it. Uh, you know, my experience uh, sounds a lot like yours, uh, hanging out at, you know, various gay bars, lesbian bars, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm comfortable in these places, you know. Uh, so writing these characters for me was like okay you know i'm gonna base this character off of oh yeah there was that that was that cool person that was at Mm -hmm. that club you know so i'm kind of trying to do it that way did you find yourself basing these characters off of particular individuals i would say there are certain traits that i was like this feels very you know this feels very Paige and sarah this feels you know like something my wife has told me before um in, in terms of, like, you know, individual character traits. But I don't think any one character came from, like, one person. Like, certain... Um, the the more... I think, it, yeah, to me it was just about... It started with the premise of, you know, do you, can you convincingly have, you know, two people fall in love during a sword fight? And it's sort of built out of that and what would need to you know who would these people need to be to have been brought to this situation in the first place and where do we go from here and everything sort of builds out from 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 that um yeah character building is one of my favorite things to do in storytelling and i i wish i had a more concrete like here's how i do it or here's you know the process but it's it's all very organic uh in terms of just like as I'm building out the story, the characters start to make more sense, and I start to do things. Uh, I start; they start sort of uh, taking the reins a little bit, and it becomes less. Well, we need to get here, and more. 
well, this person would do this, and the consequences of that are this. Uh, and and that can still, you know, get you to where you want to go, but it's it, it winds up taking a more interesting path than you originally intended. Oh, nice. That's, that is isn't it. See, if I was writing something and somebody said, well, you might want to take this, oh, man, that's going to mess everything up. <laughs> I, I, I want to be as objective as you are. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's sort of the the uh, the frustration in the craft is that you are on the one hand have all these limitations of you know this is the genre we're working in and these are the page numbers and this is you know the amounts of words that can be on a page versus the sort of organic nature of storytelling and character that I, I think you have to at least acknowledge in some way if you're going to make your care if you're going to make your story work and make it really believable and. Right. Uh, and and make it as compelling as it can be. So it's always a struggle. It's always a tension there. But um, once again, like this was a uh, a project we didn't have to worry as much about in terms of uh, in terms of page count, in terms of you know uh, how we were going to tell it, because all we knew about it was really was that we wanted to tell the story and it be over by the time you know we get to the end. We don't have to do a part two unless we really feel compelled to. Um, so that, yeah, that was a starting point and, uh, we wound up making this world and these characters that we really fell in love with. And, uh, <laughs> the more we talk about a hypothetical part two, the more we wind up, or the more we kind of subtly are agreeing, yeah, it's probably going to happen, but you know, no, no promises, but we'll see. Yeah. That was, I was just curious about that. That'd be a question, actually, if there was going to be a part two. <laughs> it's, it's, it, this is, what I'll say is that this is a complete story. This is a complete work. And if we never do anything again in this universe with these characters, it will feel satisfying and it'll be done. But there's definitely enough room that we could have a book two or, or, or a book two and a book three or, you know, continue it for as long. And and, and as long as if, if Rachel is involved, like if, if Rachel wants to draw it and I feel like there's a strong enough story there, then we will probably continue drawing. Then we'll probably continue telling it. Nice. Well so as I'm getting updates on this, I'm also seeing updates on Mechaton as well. <laughs> you are just nonstop, man. I mean, just yeah, uh, I've had I've had a busy couple of weeks, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I just shipped out um, all but I think four four or five packages uh, from uh, the Mechaton Kickstarter uh just yesterday it it, it uh, uh uh i left my house got to or got to the ups uh office post office and uh went out into the world so people will hopefully be getting those books uh later this week beautiful beautiful yeah uh, it, it, it's funny because it's like uh my phone's going off non-stop the last couple of days <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> no, it, it, no, I mean it's not just you. It's it's a it's a bunch of different stuff on Kickstarter. But it's just kind of funny how many times I look at the phone and go, "Wait, Wells again? Wait a minute, what now?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, you added to it. <laughs> yeah. it. It's it's just amazing how busy you are right now with everything, and mm. you know it's absolutely fantastic. And I hope it's not a sore subject, but I do have to ask. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna see the book come back? Are we oh yeah, de- yeah, Depths is coming back. 
I'm not I'm not content to let that story uh, go away. Uh, we're definitely going to give it uh, another try. Um, it uh, I, I I'm not at liberty to talk about in what form yet, but uh, before the end of the year, uh, we will see uh, devs come back. Yes. Wonderful. I'll see you on day one at the, on the Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's amazing to see how many projects uh, you know are happening all at the same time for Kickstarter, and it's it's so hard some days looking at Kickstarter going, "Ooh, I want that. Ooh, yeah. I want that." It, it it's just it's nonstop. Y'all, y'all killing me right now. And <laughs> if my wife was home when half of these packages showed up, I'd probably be in a lot more trouble. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like uh, we had sort of a slower period, like at the end of last year, beginning of this year, we were kind of feeling the crunch of, you know, people hurting from the economy, not wanting to spend a lot. But it really feels like, especially in the last uh, month or two, Things have been coming back in a big way. We've been seeing bigger projects. We've been seeing a lot of energy around, uh, you know, projects that you wouldn't normally see on Kickstarter. Um, and I'm I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, bigger projects come back and and more varied projects come back. You know, I I love that there's a handful of creators that can do really really well on Kickstarter, but I feel like there's room for more and. I think people are finally in a place where uh, they can start to support, you know, a growing number of, of indie creators on the platform. So I'm really, I'm really optimistic that the rest of this year and next year are going to see more people coming to Kickstarter, more projects coming out, uh, you know, people getting fairly compensated for their work, um, and 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 more interesting things coming out as a result. You know, I want, I think the next, you know, Ram V for is out there and uh, just needs uh, just or just needs some uh, a spotlight uh, on this platform. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, you, you mentioned a key word right there. People need to be properly compensated. Absolutely. What we're seeing happening right now with SAG and the Writers Guild. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> this is a problem across all of well it's a problem across uh, all industry in general but but creative yeah. industries uh especially are, are feeling it's uh the you know this sort of entitlement to content and the exploitation of people of of the people make that are like at the top kind of churning out that content uh at the expense of people who have to actually put their nose to the grindstone and make the thing yeah. um and I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm completely in solidarity with, uh, with uh, the Writers Guild and the, the SAG-AFTRA uh, going on strike. I think they absolutely should uh, fight for more. And if they are, if, if they can't make it, if Hollywood writers can't make a living doing this, no one can. Truly, yeah. no one can. Right. Well, I think this will affect everybody. I mean, not, not just creative people. I think working, you know, industries, I think this is going to affect eventually everything. So, yeah, I completely agree. Now, you mentioned something. Do you think some of this going on right now is because so many things are free on the Internet? Um, not, 
Well, let me. That's a, it's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a fair question. I think the reason that it's, I think the, the main reason why creatives aren't paid what they should, like 90% of the reason is corporate greed. Yeah. I, that, but let me, I think there is an element of like, uh, you know, there is something of an entitlement to uh, to like artist content, for example. Like there's especially, and I, I do have to remind myself all the time, Twitter is not real life. And yeah. uh, and, and more recently, Twitter is not even Twitter anymore. Uh, but <laughs> there is, I do see a lot of people who feel, you know, who don't approach people making cool art as, oh, this is something someone is really passionate about and maybe I'll throw them a couple of bucks to, to support them more like, you know, if you're not going to keep to an updated schedule, I have free reign to harass you about why not, why you're not, because I'm, you know, entitled to the content. Um, and part of that is social media fueled. Again, Twitter is a weird place. TikTok is a very weird place. Um, and, and you definitely don't get that nearly as much, for example, in uh, at a Comic-Con, where you have to look people in the eye as you tell them how you feel about right. their art. Um, so I think that has something to do with it. Like that sort of uh, attitude about art has enabled the people at the top to say, see, you know, you aren't, you know, we don't have to pay you because people just want to have stuff churned out and you should feel lucky to have a job in general. Or you should be, you should feel lucky that you get to do this as if it's some privilege and not like really, you know, hard skilled labor. Um, yeah. But yeah, but but again, I think that is equal parts like a permission structure and a byproduct of people who do have money simply wanting to hold on to it and not wanting to to pay, you know, right. uh, the the people that ultimately enable them to earn that much in the first place. Yeah, yeah. When the person at the top is recording profits in the billions, yeah, and the person doing all the real work is picking up a second and third job. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's going on everywhere too. Mm -hmm. For sure. There's something you said earlier. There's something you said earlier kind of triggered my head. And this is not about comics. This is music. But, you know, when CDs came out, everybody was spending all their money buying stuff they already had just to get it on on compact disc. And when the Beatles started coming out, I've said this on the show a few times. it kind of irritated me because I thought they could have gave you something else. They were asking top dollar for those CDs. Mm-hmm. And so they could have put the singles on it, gave you something extra. And a friend of mine said, well, you got all these young record executives that haven't made their millions yet. You know, I mean, this is back when CDs were like $23 a piece, mm-hmm. you know, in the 80s. And I was a little offended by that. And then when Napster came out, I was reading the paper. And... They were interviewing all these different people, and they had a college student down here in the Tampa Bay area, and he was holding this massive stack of um, CDs he burned, far more than I had, records, tapes, and and albums. And he was saying, well, this is the only way I can get all the music I want to listen to. And I thought, well, that's stolen. You know what I mean? Yeah. he, He had this attitude like, you know, it, it wasn't a good argument. It's the only way you can get it. Well, you know, I mean, 
it shouldn't have been that expensive. But I, I had a problem with what he said. And it was something you said when you were describing what was going on. I was just thinking, yeah, some some people kind of are entitled on the Internet. And I, I feel the same way. I'll find mm-hmm. stuff I want to see on YouTube or listen to it on something, you know, without buying it. And that's why it, you piqued my interest. For sure. I mean, I mean, like, there is an influx of free media. We have, you know, YouTube, which is, uh, you know, almost pays its creators something worthwhile if they're if they have millions of subscribers. Um, we have, you know, uh, uh, streaming services which allow us to pay, you know, uh, a fee at the beginning of the month and then just for, and and put that on auto draft and just kind of forget about it. So it's it feels more like we have a bunch of free TV shows at our disposal. Um, so I think there is that sort of, uh, general mentality. I don't, I don't want to blame that as like the thing. Again, I think it's more of creating something of a permission structure in much the same way that Napster did actually of like Napster didn't, it wasn't taking money from, uh, from artists as much as it was taking money from studios and studios use that as an excuse to underpay their artists to say, listen, you gotta, you gotta take the cut because we're taking the cut. Even though, if you looked at the numbers, they weren't taking nearly as much of a cut as they were, as they were saying. Yeah. Just like if you look at the numbers now, uh, Netflix will still, to this day, claim that they have that they're losing money, even though you know their stock price is is absolutely through the roof, and their uh, CEO is a billionaire, and uh, they they can afford to you know have all of these lavish you know accessories and. Uh, but but somehow not enough to pay for the people who make the the media or you know pay for residuals that are something that the uh, what the the writers guild is actively fighting for right now or right. writers room or or like all of these things that have been standard in the industry uh, they're just they're using the lack of transparency and the uh, sort of smokescreen of oh it's all new technology to uh, to sort of rewrite the rules so that they don't have to pay as much. Which is, you know, ultimately what I think it boils down to is they, they want to hold on to the money that they have and, and not pay the people who actually allow facilitate them to make that money. It makes and sense. I, I think that's one of the things I love about uh, diving into indie comics is mm. that, you know, first off, with your Kickstarter, you've got a pie chart where you're showing where all this money goes. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's the the transparency i see by creators on kickstarter it's far above beyond and i have not I, and if there is one out there i'm not aware of it i have never seen uh, a controversy off a of kickstarter uh at least in the comic book stuff mm-hmm. where a creator or a person collaborating on a project was like yo i didn't get paid for this so I don't yeah know um, I mean, I don't, it's, it, it, it's not worth like parsing out like, you know, potential, uh, discrepancies in that, but I, I'll agree with you. The transparency is a lot more straightforward and there's definitely, uh, both, both more incentive to be incredibly honest about, you know, where the funds are going and how they're allocated as well as a lot more personal of a feeling of, of these things. Not for... Not forever. Obviously, there's some, you know, big companies on there. Boom has uh, regular Kickstarters. Uh, Vault is on there fairly regularly. Like, you have these big studios on there. 
Um, but even they're mostly creator-owned stuff that is there to benefit sort of the the book and not so much the uh, the publication. Um, so yeah, no, I, I agree. One, one of the things I do really like about the platform is is the transparency of it and the uh, ability for the for the creator to kind of speak directly to the reader. One of the things I don't like about it is the uh, like the actual audience size that you you have access to because I know that mm-hmm. there's a larger um, comics reading audience out there uh, and you know we just have to convince more of them to get on Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, it's it's a fantastic way to get the books. It mm-hmm. really is, you know. And like you said. It, even if I wasn't doing the show and not getting talked to creators the way I get to, I feel more interaction with these creators off of the posts on Kickstarter, uh, the, hey, we're doing great, or, hey, you know, hey, uh, share, share it because we're a little behind or, you know, things like that. It feels more involved for the person on this end with Kickstarter. And I really sure. get a kick at it. I, I dig it. I really do. Mm-hmm. He's not kidding. He's he's gone completely over. He's got Kickstarter tattoos. As a matter of fact, every guest we have, Wells, he tattoos the character onto his back. <laughs> yeah, no. Do you just do it really small so you don't have to run out of room for a little while? <laughs> I definitely could not afford that many tattoos. <laughs> But I got a whole whole array of tattoos planned, mm. and yeah, I've got the end because of my wife working in a tattoo shop, but I still can't afford that many tattoos. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, even this guy cost a pretty penny, and that's not even that big. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. I know. Well, it, it, it's it's funny because, like, people people when they find out, oh, your wife works in a tattoo, oh, you must be, like, really heavily tattooed. I'm like, yeah. I, got, <laughs> I got, like, five <laughs> I got like I got like five. That's it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and they all hide. Uh, they can all be hidden under regular clothing. Uh, so people yeah. just get thrown off. It's funny. So let me jump back to Catskin and the Rose here sure. real quick. Uh, you know this project is uh, it's really doing well. And you know we're looking at uh, like I said eight more days behind this. Uh, you've got more stretch goals planned from what you kind of let on there a little bit. Absolutely. Oh man, that's fantastic. So yeah, uh, the one of we we the one that we uh, unlocked so far was at twelve thousand uh, dollars. It unlocked uh, the Fellhound graphic novel, Do You Believe in an Afterlife, which all backers are now getting, regardless of their uh, backer level. Uh, if you put in a dollar, you're at least getting that much. Uh, as well as uh, a sticker designed by uh, Brenda Snell uh, that is uh, one of the swords with uh, the words "My Spirit is Sharp" uh, on there. It's it's a really gorgeous design. Uh, at fifteen thousand, which we are uh, at present about two hundred and fifty dollars away from unlocking, uh, we're uh, including an insert of that fan comic I alluded to that Rachel and I did. Uh, so everyone gets a little bonus uh, in their physical. Uh, uh, packages, uh, as well as uh, a new enamel pen becomes available for sale, same design as a sticker. Uh, at $20,000, really interesting stuff starts to happen. We add a three-page comic, uh, three-page mini-comic, uh, fleshing out one of the side characters uh, by Tango, 
uh, a really talented artist. As well as available for purchase comes a uh, uh, poster by Angela Wu, again, insanely talented uh, artist. Uh, and if we manage to, so I have two more planned after that. I'm, these are, you know, really, really pie in the sky at this point, but I, who knows. Uh, at 2750, we've got another five-page comic by Rio Burton. That's uh, that's a beach episode. So if you if you like your beach episodes, we have one planned out. Uh, as well as um, at uh, 35,000, we have uh, a tier where I will tattoo. Uh, <laughs> I will get a cat skin of the rose tattoo and permanently alter my body for the benefit of uh, the backers. So uh, really. Absolutely. So if you want to see me get a tattoo, hit that 35K and, uh, and we'll talk. Oh, man, come on now, people. Come on. Challenge accepted. Let's go. Let's start. Let's start getting on Kickstarter here, everybody. <laughs> man. Nice. Uh, have you decided placement for the for the tattoo yet? Uh, not at all. No, uh, I. <laughs> I, I I think I would do like an arm or uh, maybe like on the on the back here, but uh, at the moment uh, I don't have uh, anything concrete planned. Uh, wait, but I would I would love to uh, to be put in that position to have to figure it out. <laughs> hey, that that's a fun position to be in when uh, you're like, okay, I'm thinking about a tattoo. Oh yeah, no, you're getting a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Funny side story. I've been in that position. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's always it always feels a little bit different when it goes from the planning stages to when you're at the tattoo parlor. Uh, <laughs> luckily, yeah. I haven't ever been in a position where I've been uh, forced to get a tattoo, at least not yet. Uh, but you can change that, dear listener. You can you can make that happen. <laughs> Come on, everybody. You have no idea how much fun it is when you ha- when you're s- sitting in a chair going, wait, I'm getting what tattoo today <laughs> oh all right all right let's just do it <laughs> fantastic uh, also worth noting i should say at, at twenty thousand uh, dollars uh rachel distler gets a pay bump so uh absolutely we should all be rooting to hit that goal make sure okay. that we're, uh yeah getting getting the artist a little bit extra of extra cash all right, and that's at, at 20, and we're almost at 15 right now. Yes, so, so we're, we're a little over 5K away from that happening. Oh, man. Come on, people. That's a doable one. Let's see you yeah. do it. Let's do it. Wells, if you had one thing you could tell everybody about this book, what would it be? Uh, it would be the world needs more moony-eyed romance with uh, over-the-top uh, action in the, in the vein of uh, the Princess Bride. Like, remember how great that movie is and yes. how good it makes you feel. Yeah. We need more of that in our lives, and uh, I think this book is the is is the kind of story uh, that brings that energy. So, I think uh, this is a it's a story that I wrote sort of for my uh, sapphic and queer friends, but it's a story that anyone can really love and enjoy and get something from. So. Uh, yeah, I, I really hope that uh, you check it out and that uh, it appeals to you and, and you chip in a little bit to, to help the campaign. Because, again, uh, we're at this point, it's only uh, benefits. Uh, you're, you're guaranteed to get the book and uh, we can only go up from here. Nice. Fantastic. So, everybody, you can find that on Kickstarter. 
the cat skin and the rose. Beyond that, where would you like everybody to find you, Wells? So we're in an interesting period uh, because Twitter is uh, uh, fluttering out of existence. But until it goes away entirely, I am at Wells Thomp, T-H-O-M-P, my last name minus the last three letters. Uh, You can find uh, my newsletter at my website, wellsthompson.com. Uh, I run a Substack that you can sign up for uh, called uh, uh, Comics, Cats, and Cocktails, where we talk about all those things. Uh, if you happen to be on Blue Sky, I am on Blue Sky at Wells Thomp, same uh, as the uh, Twitter logo. Uh, and I am almost always running a Kickstarter, so if you want to follow me there, fun fact, you can follow people on Kickstarter. There is a function to do that, uh, so that you can always be alerted uh, whenever I have a new project up. Uh, that is available for you. Um, alt, uh, the only, or I guess the only other thing to promote is, uh, sorry about that, is uh, Ko-Fi, uh, or coffee, I don't know exactly how it's pronounced, but K-O-F-I. Uh, you can, I have a store pay, front up there. You can always buy uh, comics from that storefront. Uh, and you can buy me a coffee if you want, which I would appreciate because I do love coffee. So... <laughs> I love that nobody knows. Is it Kofi coffee? I, I nobody knows how it pro- how it's pronounced. I, I and you know what? I I haven't talked to the to the owners. I wouldn't know exactly, but you know what I'm when I when I make it that explicit, it's hard to uh, to miss what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, again, uh, I I was on board right from go with this one. I uh, had a lot of fun watching as it just kept getting more and more and growing and i really would love to see you get that tattoo so i would i would love to get that tattoo (laughs) there you go there you go see he wants the tattoo people get on kickstarter right now (laughs) all right wells until next time thank you so much for coming by we appreciate you as always man thank you for having me i appreciate being back on oh always always welcome Always welcome. You're always, you're always really interesting, by the way. Well, thank All right. you. <laughs> All right. If you like to draw, we're always using fake comic book covers for the Facebook page in the Facebook group. Uh, we can't pay you for it because we have no money, but it'll be yours to own. And if you allow us to, we'll add it to the cover gallery of the blog. A lot of people really enjoy these. Uh, if you're any kind of musician, singer, songwriter, performance artist. If you can put it on an MP3, we usually have a music break when we don't have a guest. Uh, Rook gets really upset because I keep playing the same artist over and over and over and over again. Uh, Help a brother out. Uh, You can send all this information to the contact page at the blog. Also, we have t-shirts to help us pay for the hosting fees that come up once a year. Uh, It's on the sidebar under t-shirts. Listen to the show. Wear the shirt. Rook. Everybody, check us out at bunchofdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. You'll find information about this show and all the others available for you. But until next time, everybody. Read. More. Comments. comments. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click Click on on the Cyclops. Your Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.